Christ clean me up. Christ clean me up. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christ clean me up. Christ clean me up. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen. Yeah. I ain't got a stain on me Cause it's all by his grace, homie Gave his righteousness, now I'm spotless Didn't earn it, but I still got it yeah. Not by my works Now I'm in his church Ain't nothing I could earn Did it by his own, yeah, you know I didn't deserve now I'm singing out Christ clean me up Christ clean me up. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christ clean me up. Christ clean me up. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christ clean me up. I was a mess, my goodness is unworthiness But now I'm feeling brand new I ain't worried about a thing He's glory, now I sing, yeah Got a new mind, got a new heart Glory to God, who art Worthy of all praises By tongue, tribes, and nations He dressed us in this white robe His righteousness we now clothe Glory to God and Christ alone Glory to God and Christ alone, yeah Grace and peace. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Theology, where this is your host, K-Dub. And today, we're going to be talking about the conversation between David Lynn and Marcus Rogers. You know, I've had so many people, I don't think I've ever had a more requested video to recover than this video itself. Um, watch the watch the uh, dialogue. I uh, thought it was some interesting statements made. Again, we're going to be taking a look at that. I want to actually make a prediction. This is related to Marcus Rogers, not necessarily about the video, but I was having some thoughts after my after I did a uh, dialogue or a review of his statements about him uh, repenting or recanting his repentance in regards to Trump. Uh, again, if you watch that video, you know that he said that he uh, pretty much regrets ever apologizing for uh, stating that again, it's so confusing. He's apologizing about his apology about Trump winning. Uh, he says he should have never apologized, even though Trump didn't win. My prediction: This is. I want you to hear me clearly. This is not a prophecy. Right? I'm not saying the Lord told me. I'm not saying I feel in my spirit that this. I just. I'm just kind of putting two to two together. If Trump wins the 2024 election. I believe Marcus Rogers would say, oh, this is what God was saying, even though it was clearly about uh, the 2020 election. That's just my prediction before we get started off here. Again, I want to take some uh, time to. There was so much in this video, uh, man, if I, I literally could just review the whole video and it would take literally seven videos. What I'm going to try to do. Here's my plan, guys. My plan is to make three lives with the clips I've have so far 
um, and to do about an hour long each video to discuss uh, as much as we can get into. Okay, so that's the plan as we get out. Let's just get right into it so we don't waste any time. We might differ on little things and we are growing and we're trying to understand. And um, I've seen that in myself um, and I see that in Marcus. Uh, and, um, you know, and my approach is I, 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 I come from a non-denominational non background. Um, I, I do believe in one God. Um, I believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I believe in the, the three-person idea because that seems to be the traditional way we see. Now, I, I just want to start with something he said just at the start. I don't believe uh, the the difference of um, the Trinity versus oneness or even Marcus Rogers' view of God, which is actually quite strange um I'll, I'll demonstrate that later and many many of you guys know what i'm talking about when i did that review of marcus rogers video uh explaining god like you've never heard before i'll i'll, I'll we'll, we'll touch back out there in a second but i don't think that's a small difference you know uh marcus rogers view of god is quite different than the trinitarian view i, I mean it, when i say quite different i mean vastly different i mean there's <laughs> one can make an argument that the uh uh Jehovah's Witness view of Jesus is actually closer than what Marcus Rogers view of Jesus. Um, and I, I don't say that just to stretch this again. I'll, I'll demonstrate that here later. But I just want to state that first off that this isn't a small difference. Distinctions in the Bible. Um, but everybody that I know. And, and, and notice Marcus Rogers is agreeing with that right now. Right. So one of the things that actually left me confused when I first started watching this video was. Marcus Rogers was agreeing with Trinitarian language only later to uh, buck up against that and to deny it. You'll see what I'm saying later. That tries to break that down, um, doesn't really know how to break that down. And and so, I mean, you just did. So if, if what you said is true, <laughs> then what you just said was false. Right. Um, no, we can break down. Uh, how God has revealed himself perfectly. Absolutely not. God is an infinite being, right? Uh, his ways are in uh, majestic, infinite. No one can infinitely describe God. The question is, can we sufficiently do it? Well, I believe yes, because God has revealed himself for us to do it. So even the, even that statement there needs uh, categories of distinction. Because what it sounded like he was saying, no one can even explain God. So what are we even doing then? What do you guys do? And then these guys are going to go on later to talk about who they believe God is. They're going to des describe who they believe God is. So I think that's a category of confusion there. Most of the time, if you ask a Trinitarian, um, I come from that, that camp. I grew up in that kind of camp. But people are left off with it's a mystery. So intellectually and logically, they don't know how to break it down. And uh, no, I, I believe I do. I've had multiple videos on the Trinity. Matter of fact, uh, one video you will be blessed to listen to is a, uh, two, like a two hour video with me and Rick Caldwell defining and explaining the Trinity. We didn't appeal to mystery. Matter of fact, it's Marcus Rogers, the guy you're sitting to on your left, who always does this. Great is the mystery of godliness, even though that verse is not talking about what Marcus thinks it is. It's not saying God can't just be explained. And, you know, if you, you try to, then it's just a mystery. Actually, the word mysterion in the Greek means that something that was hidden that is now revealed. So even that verse is being misused. Um, but I have an appeal to mystery when explaining God. 
again, there are some things unknown. Absolutely. I don't think anyone would deny that. But the issue is, has God revealed him? Has God revealed himself in such a way we can understand uh, who he is and deny certain things? For example, monotheism is very clear. This is why Mormonism is to be rejected. But if we go with this view, well, God's just a mystery. Well, then why? Why should we reject Mormonism? Right. Why should we reject those who say Jesus is not God? Right. Again, questions I'm asking. Obviously, I'm not going to get an answer to. But you guys get my point. I have some friends in the oneness camp, and I know that I know they love the Lord, and I know that they've experienced Jesus Christ because of the fruit, because of their confession, and because of the gifts of the Spirit. Now that that statement was troubling, and we're going to see kind of this similar kind of thing, this affirmation of oneness, brother. So it seems that David Lynn does not think the Trinity one is essential, or uh, oneism is heretical. Now, he may say they're wrong, but I don't think he would say re- heretical, given what he just said. And notice what he made the the, the distinction. Well, they, they their confession. Um, he said something else in between that. Hold on. Let me. Because of the fruit, because of their confession and because of the gifts of the spirit. So their, the fruit he sees, the confession and the gifts of the spirit. Again, based on that standard, why are Mormons not Christians? Right. They confess Jesus. Right. They have, quote unquote, fruit, right? <laughs> they do good things, quote unquote, right? Outwardly, um, I would I would actually push back on that. But according to what he's trying to get at, and there are a lot of charismatic Mormons. So I don't see how this 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 uh, minimization, right? This mere Christianity view, um, which uh, he's confessing would limit them secondly <laughs> he just kicked cessationists out of the kingdom <laughs> he's made the the gifts of the spirit necessary uh fruit to be saved right uh it, it is essential to salvation it, that's what it seems like that's the only way i can interpret what he just said again i have a lot of pushback on some of these things um and they might try to break down the same thing that i'm trying to break down that, that, that there's one god and somehow the Father's God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and He's one. And He, you know, He revealed Himself. Uh, he, he's in heaven. He's on earth. He's in our hearts all at the same time. Um, and trying to deal with the complex scriptures, and and so this is where we now start the infighting. And and I, I totally understand, you know, why we're fighting. We we want truth. Um, but sometimes we we clash to such a point that we can't even acknowledge that this brother, this sister, this pastor genuinely believes in the Lord. And, you know, they're doing everything they can to 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 communicate the same thing that you're trying to communicate. And sometimes we need to sit down with each other and, and really try to understand and pray for one another and, and see where each other's coming from. And and I am okay with that latter part sitting down. A matter of fact, I, I've, I've been the one trying to do that with Marcus Rogers. He doesn't want to. That's fine. He, he, there's no there's no demand for that, right? And so, hey, that, it is what it is. Um, seeing that he says no one in the kingdom has taken me serious, that's fine. Um, I'm okay with that. But the issue is to be oneness, you must deny certain theological truths. And I'm going to demonstrate that later. Marcus Rogers has denied that. Now he tries to, um, (laughs) now when you deny certain truths, you have to state things other than the Bible doesn't say, right? So in one classic oneism, uh, 
uh, oneness, sorry, oneness theology, there is no eternal son, right? The son came into existence in the incarnation. Now, what many oneness will do is try to say, well, the son existed in a, as a thought. And Marcus Rogers has said that, right? That that's the classic oneness understanding. Uh, Marcus has even stated that, um, you know, the father, the son kind of beamed out of the father, right? Again, uh, some of the most bizarre uh, statements to defend oneism. You know, he doesn't like the title of oneism, but that's fundamentally what his theology is, uh, or or unitarian, some form of unitarian. It, it, actually, I really can't even call him a oneist because it's, it's quite contradictory to oneism. At one point, it's it's some form of uh, trinitarianism, then tritheism, then then oneness. It, there's no consistent, coherent theology of Marcus Rogers. But let's continue on uh, with these clips. Your music is just pumped with lifting up Jesus and repentance and walking holy and, and just glorifying the Lord. And I mean, I want to ask everybody out there, like when you listen to gospel music, do you check everybody's theology? I, I don't think so. When you listen to Mary Mary, when you listen to Ty Tribbett, when you listen to all of these guys, even the, the hymn writers, did you know that some of these hymn writers? So what he's trying to say is, hey, uh, what it seems like he's trying to say, I don't want to put words in his mouth. Hey, look, okay, you got problems with Marcus Rogers theology, but you, you, there's some people you listen to that they have aberrant theology as well. So do you check all their theology? And my answer to that is generally yes. <laughs> but okay, it's one thing to be ignorant about someone's theology and the music you listen to, right? Uh, that, you know, that's one thing. That's one thing to not be aware. It's another thing to be aware of someone's theology ignore it and just say i like their music right um you know you know they're heretical but you still support them and promote their music even though they have a uh, aberrant theology right i think those are totally t two different things right and so i just want to say that as we continue with this clip are, are, are were baptists or they denied the spirit or or they probably did not believe anything that you believe right now and and remember in charismatic theology denying the fruit denying uh the continuation of every single charismatic uh, gift is a denial of the spirit, which I would push back on that. But that's not the point of this video. Oh, but yet you sing these hymns and you see it as holy. But yet now we have Marcus Rogers. And, and now, you're, you know, for me, I can I can take that music. I can see that that God is working in you. And I don't I don't think you have everything together, but I don't have everything together either. And but some again. I don't think anyone is calling for perfectionism of theology. That's surely not my critique, right? I'm, I, I have grown in theology. There are things that I used to believe that I no longer believe anymore. But the issue is his heretical view of of God, right? And again, we're going to we're going to demonstrate that here a little bit later. But what David Lynn, man, I was kind of shocked by this. Um you know, and, and let me just first off state, I, I don't know too much about David Lynn, but, you know, he's out there preaching the gospel in the streets. Right. So as a street evangelist, I like that. Right. So uh, I, I kind of give kudos to anyone out there on the front lines preaching the gospel because I, I know how tough of, of work it is. Um, but I was shocked by a lot of the dismissal of theology in this, uh, the importance of theological distinctives like the nature of God. Right. Uh the Trinity being essential and dismissing that, you know, for for quote unquote unity of the spirit, as Marcus Rogers likes to, you know, state it. So uh, we'll, we'll continue. We got to get to know each other and, and, and discuss these topics and and just grow with one another, because 
I, I mean, my big thing when I'm on the streets as an evangelist, uh, Pastor Marcus, is, is I want to explain things to people like Muslims and Hindus and help them understand, yes, God is one. Yes, um, God is beyond creation. But then he just say the Trinity is like, un, un, you, you, no one can explain it. Right. God, God, no one can explain it. But now he's saying well, when he's on the streets, because guess what? When you go out on the street, you dialogue with Muslims, more than likely, 90 percent, you're going to get into the Trinity. When you talk to Jehovah's Witness, you're going to get into the nature of God. Right. Any anyone who has an aberrant view of the nature of God, you're going to get into these things. It's it's that the nature of God and gospel. Right. That's that's two things I say to people that that's the things you're going to hammer home when you're out doing street evangelism. But. What he just said in our first clip was, you know, you know, he, he, he's never heard anyone can do it. So that seems it seems like what he's doing is a waste of time if no one can just do this. Right. So I, I just want to push back on some consistency here. Uh, and anything in creation obviously is creation. But but somehow God incarnated, somehow God was imminent and breaking that down is complex. Right. I want the Jew to come to the Lord. And, you know, if you start talking you know, trini Trinity words and all that stuff. It, it actually, what I found, it becomes a stumbling block uh, for some. I mean, when you're a Christian. Now, um, let, let me let me just say this. Uh, I I do think you can uh, explain who God is without saying the word Trinity. But it's in my in my estimation that when I use the word Trinity, it actually gets down to the meat of the issue. So I like using Trinitarian words because. People automatically know what I'm talking about if they know what the Trinity is, right? Theolo there are theological words that help us understand um, things like this, right? And so I'm all for using uh, these terms. Uh, but but again, if you say, hey, look, I don't want to use Trinity, but the, but conceptually we come to the same thing. Hey, I, I'm totally okay with that, right? I, I, no one's arguing, say Trinity or go to hell, right? I've never heard, <laughs> I've read a lot of Trinitarian books. No one's arguing that. Again, I'm more passionate and concerned about uh the concept of the Trinity over uh, just just the terminology, even though I think the terminology is useful and helpful. But let's continue. And, and, and you've already received Christ and now you want to dig deep. OK, you want to be, you know, exact on certain things. OK, we can start putting terms together and maybe it's Christianese and, you know, but but to the average person, like my goal is to help people to get saved, to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But but. The Jesus of who? The Unitarian Jesus, right? The oneness Jesus. See, when we, I, I know it all sounds nice. It's like, I just want people to know Jesus. But when we say that, we have to explain, right, who this Jesus is, right? So so I, I don't think we could just dismiss all the Trinitarian or the uh, uh, the theological uh, controversies of who God is. is, a, is just, well, well, this is going to give him Jesus. Right. And I, this was constantly stated in this dialogue. But the big assumption is that everyone has the same Jesus, which they do not. You want the, the what about the uh, Jesus of Mormonism? Islam. Right. Um, uh, you, you know, there's the black Hebrew Israelites view of Jesus. So. So, again, once we say, hey, we want to give him Jesus, we're making a theological statement that which needs to be defined and categorized. So, again, yes, I want to give the people Jesus, but the Jesus of Scripture. Right. Uh, not just any old Jesus will do, because there are many false Jesus. There are so-called Jesus that's out there. So, and and I can see the same thing with you, you know. And you know, we had a brief discussion before, yes, and, and um, it seems like you're just trying to logically and 
comprehensively communicate something. Now, <laughs> I laugh at that because I, I, I don't, I don't see that is what Marcus Rogers is. He, he's kind. Of, remember, this is the the Marcus Rogers, the one who downplays uh, logical, systematized uh, theology and doctrine. Right? Anytime someone you know does. He's downplay. Oh, you go to the he- Greek and Hebrews, and it's just the spirit, right? As if the spirit is uh, apart from knowledge and wisdom, right? So I, I, I thought that was an interesting statement there. Just like I am, without without the cop out, like, well, it's just a mystery we don't understand. <laughs> that is literally what Marcus does every time I've heard him talk about this issue. But again, that contradicts what you just said earlier, which it's all a mystery and no one can really explain it. So there's a lot of contradictory statements in this dialogue. I don't like that kind of terminology, even though, yes, I mean, God is a mystery. He's bigger than us. But but he gives enough details for us to to to, to understand him. I mean, he, he communicates. Yeah, that's what I said in pushback uh, into the first clip. So, again, this what just what is being said now is just contradicting the first clip. He's one. He communicates. He's righteous. He's holy. So, I mean, I want to communicate that to the best of my ability, and I know you do too. And um, I mean, I guess that you know, I don't want to dominate all the questions no, and no, stuff, but but, but I but I guess that brings down to you know, like I mean, people are always like just squabbling about this kind of stuff, you know. And, and yeah, that's because I believe what the Bible says that this issue is important. Who God is is important. And it's not just something we could just throw aside like, oh, you're oneness, you're Trinitarian. Oh, you don't believe in the deity of Christ. Oh, you you believe this. You believe Jesus was Satan's brother. Oh, just, you know, let's just stop, uh, you know, let's just stop fighting and let's all just get along. And no, some things are worth fighting for. Now, let me just say this. There are some people who will make a fight over anything, right? The pews of the color of the pews will become a theological distinctive, which someone would go to hell for. Now, that's not what I'm arguing for. There is what theologians have called the adiaphora, right? Uh, it's it's uh, non-essentials. And, and what I mean by that is it is it is not arising to the level of uh, importance, which I would say kicks someone out of the kingdom. Let me give you an example, right? I am a millennial in my eschatology. I do not believe my premillennial brothers and my postmillennial brothers are going to hell for their different view of eschatology because all of those eschatologists affirm that Jesus is coming back bodily, right? Um, and so they're not denying essential parts of eschatology. But again, so we need to distinguish between those categories. I think that will be helpful as we get into this next clip here. But they're glorifying the Lord, and the Spirit of God is is being experienced through these words. Then, what did those writers experience? So, right now, he's talking about uh, hymn writers, right? Uh, that that uh, again had different theologies and things like that. To to write that, right. I mean, yeah, there's phonies of people that use sure. use words just to make money. But I don't think all of these reformers, all of these people throughout history, even the the Catholic people that right. were bringing about, I don't think that. They were just trying to be a deceiver or, or these people actually experienced God somehow. And all the fine details, I believe if they were genuine, God was working out and did work out, you know, by the time that they saw him somehow. Right? <sighs> that was an interesting statement. Let me go back to and just to play just to, so you can hear that. Use words just to make money. But I don't think all of these reformers, all of these people throughout history, even the Catholic people that were bringing about. I don't think that 
they were just trying to be a deceiver. Or now, the fact that he put the reformers and the Catholics as as people who were, you know, maybe they did deceive, but they weren't trying to deceive is very interesting. But I mean, I would agree. Most people don't intentionally go out trying to deceive. Yet it is still a problem. Uh, teaching Jesus isn't God intentionally, and you know, like you know it's wrong, but you're still going to teach it. And then teaching Jesus isn't God because you're ignorant. That's still two problematic things, right? Obviously, one is more culpable than the other. Uh, but he said something interesting after that. Or, or these people actually experience God somehow. And all the fine details, I believe if they were genuine, God was working out and did work out, you know, by the time that they saw him. Saw so he was he said, you know, speaking of the reform and the Catholics, you know, uh, you know, that he believed they were saved, you know, if they were genuine. Well, I would push back on the Catholic part. If someone affirms what the Roman Catholic Church teaches, even if they're genuine, I would say absolutely not. He's like, you know, they're, they're, they're just still, you know, saved. God, I don't know how. Well, I know they were not because Rome, if you affirm what Rome teaches, right, in many of her dogmas, doctrines, no, they deny salvation by grace through faith. Matter of fact, they call it an anathema. If you affirm that, they say you're an anathema. You're accursed. Rome has many mediators between God and man, uh, Mary, uh, the, the apostles, and they have many saints, which can, uh, you know, again, many mediators. Uh, uh, let's even get into the Marian dogmas, right? Mary is a mediator. Uh, Mary, uh, so many blasphemous doctrines in Rome. Uh, the Pope himself is viewed as a vicar of Christ, another Christ figure on earth, uh, which is representative of God. Um he the, the pope himself is infallible in which he speaks uh now again rome <laughs> plays with that doctrine a little bit uh because many will say well he he rarely does it does it but but again there's so many uh blasphemous doctrine uh the, the church becomes uh a, 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 an authority uh equal with scripture on par with scripture i, I mean it, it is very confusing but as well uh there, there are many doctrines of rome which would exclude them from uh the kingdom uh but i, I that's why I, I don't know how you could just make that statement like that um does he know about a lot of roman catholic doctrine i don't know i don't follow david land that that much so i don't know what he knows about rome but if he's saying they're brothers they're saved he just doesn't know how i mean very interesting well let's get into this next clip i'm a bad guy because you know, I think a certain way or I say things a certain way or I would even be on this show, you know. So, I mean, who would I rather be around? These cantankerous Christians that have no fruit of the Spirit or Marcus Rogers who, who, what I can see, loves the Lord, worshiping the Lord, doing the best to win as many souls to Jesus. Now, notice the false dichotomy, right? It's either Marcus Rogers, right, who may have some troubling theology, seems like he's admitting that, right? But he has the fruit of the spirit, right? Or it's uh, people who have some some good theology, but they're, they're cantankerous, right? They have no fruit of the spirit. So notice the only options here. Either you're team Marcus Rogers or you're team cankerous people, right? It's this this uh, very interesting. Boy, ain't no way, boy. Boy, ain't no way, boy. Why, why, why is there not another option? Why, why can't it be, hey, these people, hey, have good theology. They are brothers and sisters who are walking upright with the fruit of the Spirit. But they also are concerned about the, the, the heretical doctrines of Marcus Rogers. Why is that not an option? 
Again, be careful when people pin uh, these two positions that you either hold, right, when there's other options. And we may differ on a little thing. I'd rather be around Marcus because I can see more of Jesus and Marcus than a lot of these guys who may have all this exegetical seminary trained words, but I don't see Jesus in them. That, that, that was an interesting statement. Again, I, I'm not going to make this personal. Um, but again, my, my issue isn't even David Lynn having this discussion. I mean, I, I've had discussions with people I vehemently disagree with. And the so the issue isn't him having the discussion. It's not being on Marcus Rogers' YouTube channel. Again, that's very silly, right? And so our critiques have to be better than that. Uh, my issue is the affirmation of Marcus Rogers despite his heretical doctrine. That's the issue I have. Um, David Lynn dismisses it as like, oh, you know, we're all just trying to figure it out. And, you know, um, you know, he says in this interview, he's like, oh, I'm not trying to play do Kumbaya, but that's essentially what he did do. Um, he dismisses all the, the, the theology of Marcus Rogers and it's like, ah, it's, it, it ain't that bad. Uh, you know, we're all trying to figure it out. You know, it's a it's a mystery, right? It's that's kind of what was done in this video. So who really has Jesus? Right. I mean, he, this is why that's why I said in the beginning, it's like. I'm not saying they're not a Christian, even though their fruit is just really off. Right. So apparently you could be a Christian and have no fruit of the spirit as he labeled uh, the dissenters of Marcus Rogers, which is very interesting in and of itself. And I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but if they're a Christian and their whole works, the Bible says if you say you love God, love you love God, but you don't even love your brother, you're a liar. So if they're a Christian, even though it looks like they're a liar... And you're not a Christian, even though you love your brother and you're calling Jesus Lord, but you may say things a little differently than some people. I mean, we're all growing. Yeah, but the problem with that is I don't know anyone who denies that Jesus is Lord by literal like, right? Everyone that I've heard name that affirms some part of the Bible claims Jesus is Lord, right? And then they can make some vague reference to loving my brother, right? But again, these again, those are important issues, right? But we can't affirm this side of the Bible, Jesus Lord, and then affirm the theological distinctives as well of the nature of God, um, which Marcus has denied. Again, I'll, I'll demonstrate that here later, but there's a section I want to play with that. But again, uh, again, that's why I say the the. The ideology that was presented in this video from David Lynn was very troubling because by what he said, he would have to affirm Mormons. Because, again, don't they say Jesus is Lord? Don't they, quote unquote, love their brothers? And, and guys, you know, um, me, the love of God, the love of the brethren, sometimes is it, when it's not defined, it can be abused. Because I've heard. You know, the LGBT community say, hey, we, we love the brothers, right? We, we we love God, right? Love is love, right? So we, again, we, again, I know the, that wasn't the point to try to qualify that, but I would say teaching her heresy is not loving the brethren, right? To teaching people must affirm you if they, to have the Holy Spirit is not loving the brethren. And so, yeah. If they're going to grow and correct themselves, wouldn't we also think that, hey, Maybe Marcus will also grow too. Sure. And, and and let me just say this: there is a difference in growing in you know sanctification, right? You're growing in the practice of what you claim to believe, right? That that's true for everybody, every Christian. There's a whole another issue of denying 
uh, certain theological tenets and truths of scripture, right? Those are two different things. Um, and so I, I, he just places it all under the, oh, we're everybody, we're just all growing, right? We're, we're just all growing. Okay. Maybe David will also grow too. I mean, my point is, is that what makes you a Christian is when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Have you done that? Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry for asking you. Well, I guess that settles it. Let's end this live. See you next time on All Things Theology, right? <laughs> oh, again, hey, as long as you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we don't got to define any of that, right? Don't, don't again, Mormons say that. Uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses say that. Uh, there are many, the Black Hebrew Israelites say that. Again, there are many people who, yeah, Jesus is Lord and Savior, right? <laughs> Uh, but again, there, this is what I call this, not, not what I call it. Many people call this, but it's uh, what I, what I've borrowed the term mere Christianity, right? Where you want to reduce Christianity down to like one or two things, right? Even though there are other verses, other scriptures that, that, you know, I mean, we, we have ultimately what I'm getting at is we have to have a comprehensive faith, not just a faith that survives one verse, but all of scripture, Right. And so that's what I'm hoping to do here in this video. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it's just making a point here. And <laughs> who would deny that, though? That's, I don't know anyone who says they believe to the Bible to any some extent that would say, oh, no, yeah, Jesus isn't Lord and Savior. Right. <laughs> Most people say that. If I were to if I were to lead a child, I, I, I remember I did children's ministry at a time and I led many children to the Lord. Um, I don't think for a second that they could actually explain the Trinity or explain the oneness of God or explain how Christ incarnated. But what they do. Here's the difference, David. It is quite different than someone new coming to the faith, not being able to grasp the, the theology that they claim to believe. That's true for every Christian. The gospel, the moment you become saved, right? You don't grasp the fullness, the depth, right? Penal substitutionary atonement, right? All, the, all this isn't grasped day one of conversion. No one's denying that. The issue is someone who has claimed to have been in the faith three decades denying these things. See, being ignorant of some things and denying some things, totally different. Again, Marcus Rogers isn't the, the, the child in your example. Right. He is vehemently opposing these things or, or at, at the bare minimum, or at least he used to at the bare minimum, um, trying to reduce the importance of the nature of God. So I, I, your analogy doesn't actually fit the situation at hand. The Zitzim Laban, right? <laughs> no, is that Jesus is the savior. He died on the cross for my sin. And are they saved? I mean, is a new believer like what new believer that I lead or you lead to? Christ on the streets. Let's just say you say a sinner's prayer. Let's just say, don't do the sinner's prayer. Let me just say that you baptize them. I mean, a lot of churches they have to baptize them quick. They come and they they repent and they know they need a savior. What new believer actually understands the intricacy and the details of the oneness of God manifested in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, revealed in three persons? Who Manif see see even that even that manifest that that is modalism language but then he goes on to say revealed in the three persons so even that language is con 
you know, contradictory. But to answer his question, I would say, yeah, no one. But again, <laughs> that's, that's not, uh, they aren't denying it. See, see, fully grasping something and then denying are two different things, right? I don't fully grasp how my car works. The engine works, works right? But I'm not denying the car, right? See, those are two different things. And that's what you have. That's the difference between someone like a, a oneness position, Unitarian position versus someone who's coming to understand what the Bible teaches uh, of the Trinitarian position. So I would say that's the difference. Knows that who, who can explain that even 20 year old Christians are struggling to explain the Godhead. Right. So who is saved then? I mean. I believe it's and again, no one's saying, hey, unless you fully understand the Trinity, then you can't be saved. No. Again, it is affirming what the Bible teaches to the best of our ability versus denying these things. I, I don't I don't understand how how he can say that. So so what it sounds like to, to David Lynn is the Trinity is an essential. Right. Since, you know, hey. That that's the only conclusion I can come to by by listening to him. When you know you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, obviously you know he's divine. Obviously you know he's the Lord because how can he be the Lord if he's not divine? You welcome in. Well, hey, some people deny that, David. Why are you quabbling about all this theology, right? So again, the argument he uses for this can be turned around to right back on him when he tries to be you know firm on some things he believes the bible teaches which obviously i would agree jesus is divine he's god he's yahweh right second person of the trinity but that that that, that makes sense from a trinitarian perspective believing jesus is god uh from a unitarian perspective from a oneness perspective uh it actually falls apart uh, when you get into some of these uh distinctives again i've done video reviews one of the issue one of the weaknesses of um Oneness position, which that's Marcus Rogers background. I have no clue what he is today, but he clearly doesn't affirm the Trinity um, is the eternity of the sun. See, in oneism, one is I keep saying that in oneness theology, the sun came into existence in the incarnation. Right. The father switched modes and became the son. Right. And so the son did not always exist as a as a, as a conscious person distinct from the father. Uh, he, the father just switched modes and all you have is the, uh, Jesus, the son is just the name of the father. He's not a distinct person from the father. It's just, uh, the mode in which he's operating for 33 years, uh, which is very interesting, right? Uh, the Bible does not teach that, right? There are three distinct persons that share the one being of God. We can see this many times example. One, one example I like to use is, uh, even if you follow the pronouns in, uh, the book of John, right? Jesus distinguishes it and it shows a distinguishment between the father and the son at Jesus baptism, right? The father's in heaven speaking from heaven, Jesus being, uh, uh, baptized in the water, the spirit coming down, uh, like a dove. I mean, just so many examples, so many explicit things that would deny, uh, oneness theology. Again, I try not to be long winded here. Life, all the theological details, what you know and everything, my mom was one of the strongest Christians that ever lived, at least in my, in my books. I, I watched her every single morning for 40 plus years until the day she died. Um, 
start her day off five o'clock in the morning, two hours, three hours of the Bible, praying every single day, every single night since the day I was born, lived a holy life. She didn't chase men. She didn't smoke. She didn't drink. She lived a clean and holy life, but she didn't know half of what I learned right. in Bible college and seminary. And, and she said to me one thing. She said, David, you might not, you might know a lot about God, but do you know God? Come on. And that always stuck with me because she knew God more than I did. I knew I could school my mom left, right, and center, but she knew God. You don't have to be an educated person to know God. You simply have to be a humble person to know God and to know you have to, you need a savior. And I mean, there's some truths to that, but again, I want to push back because I would argue that knowing God and knowledge of God are interconnected. I I think it can even be argued. You can only know about, you can only have this intimate relationship with God as so much as you know him uh, intellectually, knowledgeably, right? I think of Philippians 1.9, which, which says that, which uh, the Apostle Paul says, he, 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 it is his prayer that your love may abound, right? So the love for God may increase more and more but it's connected with knowledge and all discernment. Even the relationship with your wife. Think of those who have a spouses, right? My intimacy with my wife increases the more I know her, right? Uh, the more you may know your husband. And so I reject this idea of uh, intimacy and, and just, just know, apart from the knowledge of God. Those things are interconnected. Now, now, granted, you can have people who know a lot of facts about the Bible who don't care for anything to, uh, to know God, right, in an in a, in intimate way, right, in a relationship way. Sure, that's true. But just because that's happened doesn't mean we deny the knowledge and uh, intimate relationship part uh, as far as it comes with our relationship with God. So I, I just want to make that clear. But. Let's keep going. And I got to the point, I stopped caring. I said, look, you can call me whatever you want to call me. Whatever is going to make you feel better. If you want to call me a Trinitarian, call me a Trinitarian Baptist. Well, it's not what we want to call you. It's what your belief actually indicates, right? We're just not, I mean, we're, we're not just, to me, that even like, that's problematic, right? Like, well, just call me a Trinitarian if that makes you happy. Well, no, we I want you to affirm the doctrine with the label, right? Imagine, see, and, and, and a lot of people do that today, right? What? I, and I would assume, and I believe Marcus Rogers holds to this doctrine, the inerrancy of scripture, right? So by that, he would be labeled an inerrancist, right? Uh, he would hold to the inerrancy of scripture. Now, there are many people who deny the doctrine, yet want to wear the label. I think of Andy Stanley. Now, Andy Stanley does not believe in the inerrancy of scripture, but he wants to, he, he wears the label for now. Right. Who knows in, in a couple of years. But again, it's not us just labeling you a doctrine just to make us feel more comfortable and safer. Oh, yeah. He 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 he, he holds to the Trinity. He, he, he rocks that label. No. Again, I'm more concerned, even if you don't wear the label. I know some people who's like, look, I, I don't want to be called a Trinitarian. I affirm everything the Trinity, you know, the Trinitarians say, but I don't rock with the label. I'm fine with that because I'm more concerned with the concept. I'm more concerned with do you actually believe what's what's being affirmed? I'm cool with that. You know, let's keep going. Whatever you want to call me. But the truth is, if you knew God, if you really knew him, then, you know, who is my sheep, know my voice. 
So that's why I always go back to the unity in the street. So, so hold on, let me play that again because this is the classic Marcus Rogers, uh, uh, you know, talk. If you really knew him, then you know who is my sheep, no my. Marcus Rogers says, if you really know him, you would know who's uh who's his, who's who's his. Well, there's a couple examples in scripture where that falls apart because the apostle Paul was deceived by Demas. So would he now say that the apostle Paul didn't really know God? He didn't hear the voice of God, right? He didn't the, the he didn't hear the shepherd's voice. Hopefully he would say, "Okay, yeah, maybe I spoke a little too zealously." My sheep hear my voice has nothing to do with recognizing that, that, that's not even the context of that passage. The, pa- the, the, the point of that passage is the sheep will always follow Jesus. This is, I mean, you go, go read John 10. This is why we won't lose our salvation. Something Marcus Rogers denies, by the way. Go and read John 10. It has nothing to do with, hey, you can know who a true Christian is uh, because the sheep hear my voice. Again, I, I believe we will know a true Christian by their fruit, but that's not even the point of the passage in John 10. So again, abusing scripture to point to people to yourself, right? That's all this is about. Voice. So that's why I always go back to the unity in the spirit. Like when I didn't ever have a label, people were cool with me. And sometimes I sit back and say, man, maybe I should have never said anything. But I think that the Lord wanted moments like this to happen, that we have to get to the place where we're testing every spirit. Because there's people with the right label who are living wrong. And you can be deceived and follow these people and they'll lead you down, you know, some kind of crazy path. And so... Unfortunately, you know, I think that for me, that's one of the biggest problems. I, I told you, I sit here sometimes and I just cry and I say, man, God, how do these people not see that I, I love you? Like, how can they not see by my fruit? Well, let me give you a couple examples. Just, OK, you want an you want you ask the question. I'll give you some answers. Well, a few reasons. One, you're you made false prophecy. I mean, that's huge. Matter of fact, now you said you're you're not even repented of it, so you're doubling down on your false prophecy, your aberrant view of God, right? Obviously, the Trinity is essential from from my uh, perspective. Uh, I believe the Bible teaches that. Um, you must affirm the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Not the same. Uh, not the one person who d- displays himself in different modes. That's not what the Bible's saying. Um, let's see what else. Oh, you have a yeah uh, a works based salvation. Marcus Rogers has repeatedly taught. Uh, you must speak in tongues to be saved. You must be water baptized to be saved. Um, so so much there's so much aberrant theology of Marcus Rogers, which would place him in the false teacher category. Um, so so that's 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 just a <laughs> a thirty second sketch, Marcus Rogers. If you really wanted an if you really wanted an answer to that question, that that is why. And so let's get back to it. I love you, and so you know I want you guys to be. You know, curse. So me personally, this is just my thoughts on it. And you can take it wherever you want. People ask me, you know, well, why don't you just say this? I always tell people, well, I don't see these words in the Bible. And it's to me, it's just like if somebody was reading the Bible and they looked at the Godhead and they said, I'm going to call it, you know, not Trinity, not one. It's just right, call it. Right. They made up a word and they said, that's what I'm going to call blue, it. The blue, blue, blah, blah. And then so people, people were like, okay, if you don't say this word, then you don't know God. If you don't say this word, then you're not saved. But to me, it's like. The word is not in the Bible. And so that doesn't mean, you know, people can't use it. People can do whatever they want to do. But I think that is not walking by the spirit. That's walking by something else. You know? If you limit uh, the categories of distinction, which, uh, yeah, these invented words that are in the Bible, you're going to, if you reject a doctrine based on that, you're going to have many problems, right? 
as the category, as the saying always goes, Bible is not in the Bible. That is a later developed word which people use to dis, to to categorize and contextualize all of the sixty six books of Scripture, right? But if you just say, "Well, Bible is in the Bible," <laughs> are you therefore going to reject all of the sixty six books? Okay, you don't affirm the word Trinity, but the point we're getting is the concept. Again, uh, omnipresent, uh, omniscience, right? There's so many. There's a lot of theological categories that aren't in the Bible yet would place you in a, 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 a pretty tough spot if you would deny the doctrine. Penal substitutionary atonement is not in the Bible. Guess what? Gummy bear Christianity is not in the Bible, right? I mean, that's not in the Bible. No, 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 no. But yet, Marcus would say, I would I would think he would say, and, and, and I, I think there's some truth to what he's saying. There's a lot of people who are soft, right? That they're squishy, right? And I think that's what he's trying to get at, right? Okay, you know, you can find that concept, I'm sure, Marcus, but just because you don't see the word or the term doesn't mean you have to reject, uh, reject the doctrine. Again, when someone uses a theological term you're, you're, you're not used to, a good question would be, what do you what do you what do you mean? What is this doctrine teaching? Right. Um, it's important to ask uh, questions like that. You know, again, a good question to ask when someone uses a theological term you're not used to is what do you mean by that? Yeah, what do you mean by that, right? It's always good. I like to ask questions when I hear new terms I don't know about. Well, let's continue. This might be the last clip. Let's see. We got a few more minutes but of today's live, but let's see what we got here. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really like using the word either because I, I find it, it just opens up a big can of worms on the streets. Cause I'm and uh, Sorry, I don't mean to cut him off. I love using the word <laughs> for the opposite reason. Because it opens up a lot of kids on the words on the street. That, that's I like, hey, let's get right into the brass tacks of things, right? I believe the Trinity. I will defend it 10 toes down, right? Maybe 11 if you got an extra one, right? <laughs> I, I, I want to defend the things that are a stumbling block to this person coming to faith, right? I'm, let, hey, let's get into it. You You don't believe the Trinity, right? Let's talk about it. Let's get right into the things you're saying. This is what keeping me from a Christian. Let's get to it. I'm a street preacher, and the moment I mention that with a Muslim or something, if it's a Trinity, I mean, is that in the Bible? No. Um, is it, you know, and then, and then people just have the wrong perception. And what a good time for a Trinitarian to explain and to correct all these things for them, right? A convinced Trinitarian, let me just say that. Um, you know, from what I understand is we see in the Bible... That there's one true living God. And the Bible identifies that for the most part as the Father. We, we believe in one God, the Father, from whom all things are. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things are. The Bible says as well that the Word was with God. Right. And the Word was God. And the Bible describes... Now, note, and, and, just, and I'm agreeing with David Lynn, but I add some more clarity. It says, in the beginning... Now, Marcus Rogers is shaking his head and we're probably we're not going to get to it in this video. So if uh, you're watching this video at a later time, you're watching this live, uh, be sure to catch part two when it drops. Um, but Marcus is, is shaking his head. Yes, but I'm going to show you very clearly Marcus Rogers in the past has not um, believed that uh, as just as far as a year ago. So unless he's just changing his theology and now coming out saying, Hey, I believe the Trinity, but I don't accept all the language. Then that would be a new development. Uh, but the problem is he's caused confusion 
uh, or his his not cause confusion his 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 view of God is actually very confusing. Um, again, we'll demonstrate that probably next live. Jesus as the image of the invisible God, the express image that is. So, you know, we see Jesus communicating with the Father. That means there's a personality. There's something there that is intricate. There's a detail there. Um, and then we see Jesus talking about, I'll send another comforter, even though there's other scriptures that say the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of God. Right. You know, so there's obviously some some unique mystery, some unique relationship within the Godhead between Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that doesn't negate the oneness of God. Right. And um, That's where all the argument comes from. And let me, let me say this, not to interrupt you, and then yeah. you, can, you can even bring more clarity. Like, yeah, yeah. This is where a lot of people have a problem with me, because I guess we're going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys right now, we got almost a thousand people watching. There's going to oh, be boy, people, yeah, they're going to make rebuttal videos, but I just want to articulate myself so clear, right? So one of the things, Pastor David, that people were saying about me was, I don't believe Jesus is God. I've never not believed Jesus was God my whole life. So Marcus states he's never uh, not believed that Jesus is God his whole life, right? So all we would have to do is to show Marcus Rogers saying the opposite to demonstrate that is actually not true. Let me just say this, first of all, <laughs> what Marcus Rogers is saying is uh, not true. He he has stated that. Um, what I'm going to do is show you a video demonstrating this. Uh, let me see. Because this isn't the first time he said this, right? This is not the first time Marcus Rogers has said, hey, I've always believed Jesus is God. Well, why do I have a clip of you denying that? W watch this clip here. So there it is, right? And and th that debate is with Stephen Bankarts, right? Where he literally he 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 is denying Jesus is fully God. That's straight out of his mouth. So look, if he's saying, "Look, I've changed my position," that's fine. But to say you've never never believed or you've always believed Jesus was fully God, it's actually not true. It's it's not true <laughs> to a thousand percent. Um, and that clip just proves it. Like I believe Jesus was God my whole life, but. What happened was in the name of unity. And the question I want to ask is Jesus fully God? Is he, is he Yahweh? Is he equal with the Father? Uh, so may, maybe that's a distinction I would want to want to ask. Right. I got so sick of denominational stuff. I'm like, how is it that I see somebody like Pastor David Lane? The Holy Spirit is clearly with this man, influencing this man, speaking through this man. How is it that I see other pastors that are looking at what's going on out in the world? And they're saying the same stuff. So the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Holy That's because we agree a lot on a lot of mora mor morality stuff. But again, it's the theological distinctives which separate us. That's what will separate between me and a, a Roman Catholic. Guess what, Marcus Rogers? I say a lot of things that Muslims are saying. I mean, right now, there are a lot of Muslims who are on the front line standing against a lot of the transgender insanity. But I'm not going to partner with them because why? They deny Jesus uh, uh, is, is actually the son of God. They deny he uh, died on the cross. They deny that he is, uh, 
you know, God. So, yeah, we can't partner, even though we're saying a lot of the same things culturally. So that's the difference in the distinction. It's the theology which separates us. You're speaking to me. I'm in agreement with you, but we can't speak together because of a, a label. People get mad if and, and there's only one spirit. And so that's that's how I look at it. I want to know, are you in fellowship, in communion with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? That's all that matters to me. Like I don't, You don't have to tell me you're from this, you're that, you're that. I believe that if someone really spends time in that private place, it's like you know drinking water. You, you drink all these different type of waters, you can taste the difference. You get familiar with it, you know. And so if you get around a real man of God, you're going to know by the Spirit. And I think the- Now, again, for Marcus, he can know, just know apart from anything they say. And, and I would ask Marcus, haven't you been wrong about that before? You've talked about people who backstabbed you and betrayed you, people who you would affirm before. So how does this how does this 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 work if you've been wrong about it numerous times? Um, no, I need to know what you believe. Right. I need to know, hey, do you affirm these things? Hey, do you believe Jesus is God? Do you believe Jesus is the only way to salvation? I'm sorry, but I, maybe I'm not as spiritual as Marcus, where you know I can just smell anointing off of you. I, hey, I, I I'm just one of those old old time Christians where I just need I need to hey be around. I need to see what you affirm. Do you affirm the gospel? Right. I mean, what Marcus is saying is is uh, a biblical right as a term. It's, it is against the Bible. Uh, no words that says, hey, just theology don't matter, matter as long as I could just, uh, you know, see the anointing off of you. No, no, that's not biblical. Problem is some people are trying to know by Bible college and theology, but that's not what Paul said. He says unity in the spirit. Now, I find that interesting because that is a theolo- theological statement in of itself. But Marcus tries to pit unity of the spirit against theology. I would argue unity of the spirit is affirming the same things theologically, not just, oh, we're just laying down all our theological distinctives. And as long as we, uh, you know, get along, then that's unity of the spirit. Absolutely not. And then it also goes to showing people's heart. Nobody has it all together. So with that being said, when I started trying to explain my position in myself, one of the things that people took out of context and they still run away, they say, you said Jesus was a thought. But that, that's not what I was saying. Jesus is God. He's always been God. He's always been there. All right. Uh, he, the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, like from the very beginning. But my point was that, okay, when we get to heaven, I asked Trinity. Now he's saying people took him out of context, right? Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, n- no one was taking you out of context. Uh, let me see if I can find this. Uh, because... Let me see. Let me see. Because I don't know if you remember. Remember? Hold on. Yeah. So Marcus Marcus was was trying in the debate with band cards. He was trying to explain uh, questions about the oneness position in opposition to um, the Trinitarian position. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to find this clip. Oh, here, here it is. Here, uh, it's it's pretty. Yeah, let's let's uh let's. Oh, hold on. All right, let's uh share my screen here, and we'll play this clip here. So notice he's contrasting Jesus 
the relationship of the father and the son prior to it, prior to uh, the incarnation. And it was Jesus was not eternal, but he was an eternal thought. Isn't that exactly what I said earlier about the oneness position? They don't believe that the son is eternal. So that's why uh, oneness people have to come up with a theory on how Jesus was uh, existed prior to creation. Because there's soup, there's numerous texts which speaks of the son and the relationship uh, with the father prior to creation. I think about John 17 where he says, uh, you know, hold on, let me let me bring that up here so I can just show you that there was a relationship prior to uh, the incarnation. Uh, Jesus says, you know, glorify me on the earth uh, with the uh, John 17, five. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Now, you can't have that unless you actually exist. And thoughts don't share glory with the father, by the way. Um, even John one. Right. There's this face to face relationship with the father. Right. Uh, let, me, let me just play this just so you get the, the, the silliness of of the past. Marcus Rogers was there's still a lot of this. All knowing. I never denied the where where does it say that the son was a person? We read we read in first Peter 120 that he was always eternal, but he was a thought in God's mind. Right, here we go. Even though he manifested something again, thought in God's mind in the sun, just like he manifested part of himself in the bush. There was still when he was in the bush, he was still in heaven. When he was in the sun on the cross, he was still in heaven. It's the same exact thing. When the Holy <laughs> Ben Cars is trying to hold the laughter in because this is quite silly. The Spirit was in, Ma in Mary, the, the Father, he was still in heaven. Always one, but able to take, uh, if a human being, if I can take my arm and cut my arm off and throw it over there, why can't God do that? Part of God was inside of Jesus. Jesus. Because that's asinine. But again, uh, let's finish this clip up right here. I asked one of people, what are we going to see? Are we going to see three individuals holding hands? Are we going to see the Father and Jesus at his right hand? Are we going to just see one on the throne? And here's the truth that I've learned throughout the years. Nobody can seem to give a clear answer or be in total agreement. Well, you, know, you know what I think? Yes, sir. I think I'm going to see Jesus. That's what I think. And the reason. <laughs> That's funny. He says, you know, I've asked this question. And nobody can answer this. And then David Lynn answers it. He's like, yeah, I agree. That's what I think. <laughs> I totally refuted you. Oh, boy. Well, let's end it here. Again, this is part one, probably of a part three series. Again, if you're watching this live, make sure you go check out those further videos. I hope you enjoy this. Hopefully this is helpful just to give some response and pushback to these things. Until next time, y'all. Grace and peace. Yo, grace and peace. Thank you for watching another episode of All Things Theology. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go on and give me a like. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. I promise to give you weekly videos, lives, interactions, exposing false teachers, sharing with you, the viewer, my theological beliefs, things about the culture and the Bible. So if you're here for that, come on and join us. Amen.